Well, I'm going to move some of these palm branches right here. There you go. Uh, this is, of course, Palm Sunday, and uh, I could read you the passage of Scripture that has to do with Palm Sunday, but instead I'm going to show you most of it. We have a video that kind of talks about it, and I want you to watch the actors, okay? And look at the actors, because most of the time when you see a video about Jesus Christ, they hire pretty boy actors to portray Jesus and the disciples, these were rough fishermen, and Jesus was a carpenter all of his adult life. They were not pretty boys. In fact, Scripture even tells us, the Old Testament, that there was nothing attractive about Jesus. Did you know that? It actually says that. There's nothing attractive. If Jesus were walking down the street, you wouldn't turn your head and go, wow, that's a good-looking guy. He'd just walk right past you. Look at these actors, because this is probably much more what they looked at. Here's the story. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Some of us in the West might have a hard time thinking that that's what Jesus looked like, but um, that's probably what he looked like. Now, there's a little bit more to this story that I want to read for you because that kind of ends at a point, and I want us to take a look at the very next passage as well as we talk, take a look at what God has to say to us today. And, and here it is. After everything that happened right there, after he says to the Pharisees, look, if, if these people don't praise me right now, the rocks are going to cry out, which, by the way, would have been an interesting thing to see. huh? But at any rate, there it is. Then it says this. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you... Even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another 
because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now that's it right there. He just told him after all the praises and everything else, he weeps over Jerusalem. He sees it. He knows what's coming. He knows it's going to happen in about 35 years, okay? About 35 years from the time Jesus said this, this very thing happened. And it breaks his heart because it didn't have to happen. He tells him that if you only knew, and then right here at the end, look, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Keep that phrase right in your head. Because I think what God wants to say to us today, the central message for this morning's week of Palm Sunday is simply this, now is the time. Don't put it off. Time is short. You know everything you need to know. Make your decision because now is the time. First of all, look, now is the time to learn to praise him, okay? Now is the time to learn to praise him. This is, a, you know, life is, is, here's a question, by the way. Um, when is a rock smarter than a person? Never heard somebody always dumb as a sack of rocks or something like that? These rocks were smarter than people. They knew that now was the time to worship and to praise Jesus Christ. Fortunately, the crowd joined in. Do you understand that now is the time for you to learn how to praise Jesus? Part of what we do on a Sunday morning is to learn and to teach you how to praise Jesus, how to come and to sit, how to be obedient, how to listen to him. This is what the Bible says. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Okay, today, what are we going to do? Rejoice and be glad in it. Today is where you learn how to praise Jesus Christ. You see, life, this life, is preparing you for eternity. Did you know that? Here's where you learn to do things. This life is preparing you for all eternity. This, isn't, this is like a dress rehearsal. Any of you ever been in a play? Okay, and you know there's a dress rehearsal where you kind of go through and getting ready for the actual performance? Well, guys, that's what this life is. It's a dress rehearsal. You're getting ready for all eternity, and God is getting you ready for all eternity. This is what Scripture says. Watch your step, friends. Make sure there's no evil unbelief lying around that will trip you up and throw you off course, diverting you from the living God. For as long as it's still, as still, God's, it's still God's today, as long as it's still God's, in other words, as long as it's today, right now, keep each other on your toes so sin does not down your reflexes. If we can only keep our grip on the sure thing we started out with, we're in this with Christ for the long haul. This is what today is about encouraging one another learning learning to praise him learning to walk with him learning to be a christ follower this life this day is when we learn to love one another and get along because look you're going to spend all eternity with each other you might as well learn to like each other (laughs) this is the time to do it heaven's a big place but you can't hide forever up there eternity's a long time you're going to see each other Here's where you learn to get along. Husbands and wives, here's where you learn to treat one another with honor. Because you're going to see each other. Now, we don't believe we'll be married up in heaven, but they'll be there. Wouldn't it be horrible if you have to hide in one corner of heaven for all eternity because you can't look your spouse in the eye because of what you did during life? This is the time. Here's where you learn. Here's where we learn to love God. Here's where we learn to love to praise Him. Do you love to praise God? 
Well, if you don't, what makes you think you're going to like heaven? You'll hate it. Because heaven's going to be centered on the praise of God. It's going to be God-centric. Here's where you learn to make God the very center. Because God is going to be the very center for all eternity. If you don't like it now, heaven will be hell for you. Here's where you learn to do it. Here's where you learn to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's more than that. Now is the time. Now is the time to learn to praise him for the right reasons. And now we get to the crux of Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is always that joyous time. The kids come in and I love that. But my heart is also always broken on Palm Sunday. Because I know the rest of the story. And I know that those very same people who were praising him on that Sunday will by the end of the week, many of them, be calling for his crucifixion. They'll turn like that. They on Sunday will will rejoice and lay down the palm branches and, and welcome him in, but by Friday, they'll want his blood. Jesus knows this too, by the way. I wonder what, it, I'm going to ask him one day, what did it really feel like coming into that city and seeing these faces who loved you so much, knowing that in just a few days those same faces would be screwed up with hate and call for your death? Huh. You see, the reason that they did it this way and the reason that they laid down the palm branches and all this, it has to go back to a, a time a few hundred years earlier in what we call the Maccabean Revolt. Jerusalem and Israel has been a conquered country for most of its existence. Only for a very short period of time was it an independent nation during the time of David and Solomon, that sort of thing. After that, it became conquered right around the year 500 or so. And it's been that way pretty much ever since until 1948 when it became its own nation again. At first, the Greeks conquered it and Romans, and they were always that occupied nation. There was a time when the Greeks occupied them, and uh, they did very despicable things in the temple. Because as you know, swine, pigs are uh, unclean to the Jewish people, and the, Rome, the, the Greeks actually came and they sacrificed pigs in the temple. It's just disgusting. I can't even imagine what it would be like for us. Imagine taking, you know, the, the American flag and, and desecrating it and, and putting it in our Capitol building or something. And, and those kinds of things that would just really rile us as Americans if some conquering army came and did that. That's what the Greeks did. There was one small group, a Maccabean there, it's a family that rose up in rebellion and they actually were able to drive them out and to cleanse the temple. And as they were riding into Jerusalem, the people laid down the palm branches and they sang Hosanna. And Hosanna means, by the way, what? Do you know what it means? What does Hosanna mean? It means save now. Right now. Save now. That's what it means. It's actually a command, an imperative. Save now. So here we are, a couple hundred years later. Jesus is walking in. He's coming in on this donkey, just as the Maccabeans, and they're laying the palm branches down. They're all saying, Hosanna. Why? What did they think was going to happen? Who occupied Jerusalem at this time? The Greeks? No. Who? What did these people expect from Jesus? That he would cleanse, he would kick out the Romans, just like the Maccabeans kicked out the Greeks. Jesus is going to come give us our country back. He's going to kick out the Romans. And before this week is done, and they realize he's not going to do that, 
They cried for his blood. Why did they praise him? Why did they praise him? They praised him for what they thought he could do for them. It's not the first time, by the way. There was another time Jesus had a great miracle. He fed thousands of people with the loaves and the fishes. Then he leaves, and they find him. They seek him. Why did they seek him? Because they knew he was God, and they wanted to worship and praise him? Why did they seek him the very next day after he fed them? They were hungry again. It was dinner time or breakfast time. Hey, what you did yesterday, it's time to feed us. This is what Jesus said to them when he saw them. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now, we get to the crux right here of Palm Sunday. Why do people praise Jesus? Why do you praise him? Why do you come on a Sunday and lift up his name? What's that about? And, and do you praise him throughout the week? Why do you do that? Here are some common reasons, by the way, that I think people praise Jesus. Here we go. First of all, fear. They don't want to go to hell. Jesus, I'll come to you and praise you because I don't want to go to hell. Or to solve a problem. My marriage is falling apart. My finances are a mess. Uh, I'm addicted to whatever substance, whatever it is. My, I just, I need help. Jesus, I'm going to praise you and you'll fix my problem. Or personal fulfillment. Oh, Jesus, I just feel so empty and I really need to feel better and I want a full life and so I will praise you and then I will feel good. Now, I want you to understand something. These are not necessarily bad. Okay? If this is where you are, this isn't a bad thing. For instance, I'll tell you that I first came to Jesus Christ and praised him out of fear. I first came to know the Lord Jesus Christ in that second coming craze. Remember the, uh, when they were really going on with what was the movies that they used to do back then about being left behind or whatever, that kind of stuff. You know? Oh, my word. Scare me to death. Jesus, I'll praise you. I don't go to hell. That's why I came to Jesus. Okay, it's valid. Some people, they, they come to Jesus because they've got a huge problem. It's valid. Some people, again, they're just empty, and they come to Jesus, and it's valid. But do you know what all of these have in common? At the very heart of it all, every one of them is using Jesus to get something else, aren't they? It's not Jesus you want. It's what he can do for you. And that's what was going on on Palm Sunday. We love you, Jesus, because you're going to do this, and if you don't, I'll turn on you like that. And I've seen that happen, by the way. People lose their fear of hell. That's why we don't preach it all that much any longer, because people don't believe in it any longer. It's lost that impact. People lose, and boom, they walk away. The problem that they, that they wanted to solve, either it's never going to be solved, like their marriage isn't coming back together, or it is solved. They get their kids back, or their, or their, their family comes back together, and then they walk away. Because the reason they came has been fulfilled. It wasn't for Jesus. It's because of what he was going to do. We all start here. Let me say that. I would say almost all. I can't think of anybody who didn't start here, but just in case somebody actually came to Jesus Christ because you loved him, that's wonderful. Most of us start here. 
We come to Jesus Christ because we're afraid or we've got a problem or because we're empty. But now's the time to move past that. Now is the time to move beyond that kind of praise. This is what the Bible says. Oh Lord, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and the power for you have created all things. They were created and called in, into being by act of your will. This is what Scripture says, I will praise you because, get ready, you're God. Whether you do something for me right now doesn't matter. Whether I live or die, whether I feel good or I don't, I will praise you because you are God. You see, this is what we need to remember today. Ready? This is important. I was created for God, not the other way around. God isn't here for us. He didn't come into being so that we could have a better life or even an eternal life. We came into being for him. He is the creator. He is Lord. He is God. That's what scripture says. He is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus Christ, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things were created by him and what? Okay, read that with me, will you? All things were created by him and for him. One more time. All things were created by him and for him. You exist for God. I exist for Jesus Christ. That's why we came into being. To praise him. Now, I don't mean to discount the wonderful things that God does for us. You can't really do that. But does your praise hinge on what he does for you? Does your praise of God and your commitment to him hinge on the fact that he's going to do just what you want him to do, and if he doesn't, you're out? Or he's out? See, if so, well, Palm Sunday was made for you, because that's what they were doing. We need to move beyond that kind of faith. And that kind of commitment. The time is now to learn how to praise him for the right reasons. And the right reason is simply this. Because he is worthy of all praise regardless of what happens. We need kind of a, almost a marriage vow here. Last week, as we stood up here with Charles and Tiffany, and I love weddings and I, I enjoy doing those types of things, we go over the, the wedding vow. I, Charles. Actually, we'll do it the way that I did it, actually, almost 40 years ago. I, Doug, take you, Linda, to be my wife. And I promise you in front of God and these witnesses that I will love you, I will care for you, and I will cherish you from this day forward in plenty or in want, in joy or in sorrow, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Now, what is that vow really saying? It doesn't matter how you treat me, I'm here. It doesn't matter if 
we're healthy or we're sick. It doesn't matter if we have the good times or the bad times. It doesn't matter. I'm not leaving. That's why in the premarital counseling, I try to get these couples to understand how important this vow is. And yet it pales in comparison to the vow we make to the Lord Jesus Christ. At least it should. Maybe we need to write a commitment vow that goes beyond just, Lord, I trust you and you're my Savior. That's a wonderful thing to do. But Jesus, I am with you. Whether you give me wealth or I live in poverty, whether I'm strong or I have cancer, if I live a nice long life or you kill me young, if you give me a great family or you take them, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. Why? Because you're God. Do you remember when Jesus drove most of his disciples away? He did that a lot, by the way. He, he didn't like large crowds because he knew that large crowds were following him for all the wrong reasons. So quite often he would turn around and he would say something to his disciples that would just drive them all away. He did it on purpose. One time in the book of John, he turns around and he talks about them having to you know, eat his flesh and drink his blood and all this kind of stuff. And it says, the disciples said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to this? And Jesus says, well, if you think that's something, wait till you see what I've got for you next. And, you, and finally, it just says, most of his disciples, not followers, disciples, turned and walked away and wouldn't follow him anymore. And he turns and who's left? How many people are left? Twelve. Everybody else is left. He turns to the disciples and he says to them, do you want to go away? And Peter, bless his heart. Somebody knows it. Come on. Somebody knows it. Yes, I know you know it, Carson. Anybody else? What does Peter say to Jesus? Okay, Carson, give it to me. Where would we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. You are God. Why would we go anywhere else? That's the kind of commitment. It's what we didn't see on Palm Sunday. And now is the time to learn to praise him like that. And finally, there's this. Ready? Now is the time. Now is the time to get serious about Jesus in my everyday life. Okay? Because this is really what it's all going to come down to. The fact that, that we make Jesus... The center of our lives, not just on Sunday morning or learning to praise him here as we sing wonderful songs or as we learn to pray together, but that in our everyday, common, ordinary, not our religious life, I understand that we're going to do this in our time of devotions. Of course, Jesus is going to be center in our time of devotions. That's what devotions are about. But how about the rest of the day? See, we get this, this kind of, are you ready for a great word called a dichotomy? How about that bifurcation? You like bifurcation? Write that one down too. <laughs> what it simply means is we split. There's two parts. There's my religious, godly life, and I pray, and then there's my other life. And Jesus says, no, there's not. That's only in your head. There's one life. I've given it to you. And I'm Lord of it all. This is what scripture said. So here's what I want you to do. 
God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Your eating, I love that. This is from the message. Not your, your devotional life, not your worship life, not just your eating, sleeping, going to work, walking around life, and you give it all to God and you learn to make him center. It's the difference between making him a part and making him center. It's the difference between making him a large part and making him center. It's the difference between giving him the most of your life and making him Lord of your life. That's where we need to be. Now is the time to learn to make Jesus Lord of everything, not just our devotion and our prayer and our praise, but our eating and sleeping and redoing bathroom floors and whatever else you did this week. very center of it all. It's amazing. You see, there's part of that passage that I wanted to remind us. There's something that Jesus said right at the very end of the passage of scripture we're looking at today that I think speaks to what we're about. And here it is. Remember when he said this, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And as I was reading that this week, Boy, it hit me. Most of the problems that I've encountered in my life is because I didn't recognize God's coming to me at that moment. I made a stupid decision based on my own thoughts. See, this came true for them about 35 years later. 35 years later, the Romans came. They tore down Jerusalem. A very, very little of it is left today, just a couple of stones on what they call the Wailing Wall. Now, did God cause that to happen? Did he punish the Jews, because they refused to accept Jesus? No, of course not. He didn't send the Romans to punish them. It was just the natural consequence of when you turn away from God. You're on your own. And when you're on your own, when it's you against the world, bet on the world, you're not going to win. We do the same thing. See, I want you to remember this as we get ready to close this. Here it is, right here. Jesus is going to show up in my life every day. Every single day this week, Jesus is going to show up in your life, I promise you. Will you recognize him? If you don't, you're going to be in debt over your head. Your relationships are going to fall apart. You're going to walk right into disaster. Because you won't recognize the word of God when he comes to you. Jesus is going to come to you every single day. If we don't listen, disaster awaits, crushing deaths, broken relationships, ruined health. Ruined health. Because instead of hearing and recognizing the word of God in our lives, warning us about the things that we're doing, we move ahead. And we make stupid decisions. Now now's the time to get serious about Jesus every single day. He wants to be involved in all of our decisions. He wants to be Lord of what we do with our money. Every dime, not just what you give to the church, but how you spend it other places, of our relationships, of our homes, of our lives, all of it. And if we learn to recognize 
and God is going to come to you. I'm going to ask you right now. I pray that every one of you, every single day, will be able to say and look for Jesus Christ coming to you that day. He will. I promise you he will. He's there. He's going to reveal himself somehow, some way. You just have to watch for it. He's got something to say to you, some guide, some, something that he wants to say that's going to help you that day. doesn't mean that everything in our life is going to work just the way we want it to, because remember, it's not about us, but it will work out the way he wants it to. Now is the time, people. Today, you've got to praise him, but you've got to praise him for the right reasons. And now is the time in this life to learn, to make him not a part, not a large part, but Lord. Father, thank you. And we can make this commitment, just as earlier people made a commitment through baptism. We can do that, but Father, it's learning to do it. It's learning to recognize you, that we, want, we need your help to do that, Father. We need your help to be able to, to hear you to understand the difference between our own will and your will, to hear that warning. Father, first of all, we make that decision. And I pray in the next few moments the people would once again make the decision to make you Lord of their everyday life, eating, sleeping, walking around, and going to work life. And in Jesus, teach us. Spirit, speak to our hearts. Give us the people around us that can encourage us. Because we want to praise you for all the right reasons. We want to praise you because you're God. And we want you to be right in the center, Lord of all. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.